0: Welcome back to an all-new installment of the Super Metal Brothers Podcast, where we liberate, terminate, annihilate. I'm Super Metal Brother, Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother, Dan. You're kicking the show off with a bit of Moore's Prince of Mess. I actually found out the other day the uh, guitarist was actually down in Australia from holidays, and it's like, wow. It's good that when your favorite bands from overseas like come to Australia, because they know you exist, but it's like, you've got like four other guys and your gear, you know, You're bad next time, right?
1: You know, also people need to realize when they come to Australia that you know what else starts with an A? Adelaide. Yes, oh. that's right. You've come all this way, you might as well just come to another city. What's the big issue? Yeah, they forget to come
0: to Adelaide, but I guess sometimes Adelaide people forget to buy tickets. I guess that's the biggest problem that we've covered before. Hey, like, we just kind of like do it at the very first thing when we're very excited or when nothing else on that night, it's like,
1: oh, let's go see Metallica or whatever. Yeah, we're like the pirate ship, you know, We at the start we're excited, and the end of the ride we're very excited. <laughs> the <laughs> middle part's a bit meh. middle <laughs> it's pretty cruisy. It's a hell of a slow
0: pirate ship, but oh. a pirate ship nonetheless, yeah, right? yeah. In this week's episode, we are talking about bonus tracks on CDs, right? We went to our fans on the old Facebook page and got their opinions on bonus tracks, right? We'll talk about that a little bit later on. We got the latest offering from Obituary
1: titled Obituary. Wow, that seems to be a thread at the moment. Yeah, Suicide <laughs> Silence, Suicide Silence. Let's see if they've also gone down that Suicide Silence rather than just stuffed themselves. So that could be interesting.
0: We'll have to wait, wait later on for the episode. But very first up, we've got the news kicking this off right away. Five Finger Death Punch sues longtime label. So they're asking the judge just get the hell out of this contract that they feel like they're tied into. Now there's two camps on this. The label I think suing the band for like rushing it and um, I think the band kind of feels like they've seen the writing on the wall. So the label is like saying oh no, the band's wrong. Look, they're rushing the song. They're not even asking for our input. You know, we we want to hear more stuff, rah, rah, rah. But the band's like, yeah, you guys are, are a drowning ship. Like, we went off this thing, man. And, and you keep doing these bogus lawsuits, like suing us for stuff that doesn't matter,
1: so we can stay on the label. Yeah, exactly right. Who's right? It, it pretty much sounds like a. Um Someone is going through like divorce proceedings and they've already moved on, already have a new partner because uh, they've already signed on to another record label. So they just want to get this over, done with, cut their losses and move on with their lives. But these guys no, 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 until you give me this, this and this and I want the car and I want the kids and I want the dogs, then you can go. It's a real ugly marriage, isn't it? Really? I reckon all they need to do is just do like a a, uh, covers album yeah that's perfect everybody else is doing covers them. I'm not sure if that's part of their contract they can't do it but just just do that you can knock it out in about a week you know you can get even you drunk
0: doing it that's what Children of Bodom did they had this album of covers and it's terrible and they literally I think you can hear the beer bottles in the background they're like (laughs) should we take that out of the mix like nah keep it you know, it's really bad. You just hear him
1: walking through a sea of like cling, clanging, like beer bottles and like cans. Oh, terrible.
0: In this moment to launch a stripped down album uh, this summer, which is cool because we think we
1: reviewed... Did we actually review that that album last time, Danny? Uh, no, that was just before our time.
0: Oh, yeah. right. Well, I've actually got the one beforehand and it actually wasn't too bad. You know, you can pick it up for JB High for you know, a good 10 quid and, you know, that's not too bad these days. You know, it's like a band that's pretty massive that can sell their album on the cheaper to sell more, I guess. Yeah. But... um. I'm glad the guitarist came out and said, like, we want to move away from the style of sex machine, bar- or sex metal Barbie, whereas a little bit, a lot of pop influence, like with the Lady Gaga and stuff like that, and he's going to strip it down to, be I guess, a bit more metal as well, uh, which is good because they came from a like death, traditional background, and they've evolved the sound a lot, but I'm actually really interested to see, because I think they are decent songwriters for a
1: commercial sound. Yeah, I'm not sure, if like, Miss Brink's voice there has matured enough yet to do a strip down album i think that could be a, a little bit of a downfall unless she's improved over the couple yeah, a couple of years yeah maria
0: brink is either very good or just very rough maybe and that's i guess the part of a uh, a live vocalist you know and that's the honest roar she's always going to do a
1: performance and sometimes her voice just won't let her yeah actually a bit excited when i heard in this moment stripped down i got very excited i thought i went another direction yeah one thing we want to see happen, <laughs> well, not that, uh, oh, what, was, yeah. uh, was the album, right? But one we don't want to see, apart from
0: Dan jacking off to a bit of Maria Brinks, is man suing Live Nation, City of Atlanta, for injuries he sustained at the Rockstar Energy Drink Mayhem Festival, right? Now, he's claiming, and this is really interesting, the entertainment company in the city failed to protect him from unruly and dangerous crowds. We've been to a metal show, Danny. The idea is not to feel safe, right? The idea yeah. is to have fun. Um, do And this guy wants to pay out. I think he got the skateboard to the head, like yeah, Tony Hawk come skateboard down. skateboard
1: to the head. I, I don't know what metal... Like this is what, the Rockstar Energy drink Mayhem. So they must have had like shows on it. I'm not sure if the skateboard floor of presenters or performers forward or if some guy in the crowd just walk around and just smacked them over the head. Yeah. It? I don't know how it happened. But
0: he's like, oh, I want $40,000. What he reckons he's paid in injuries so far. But the problem is that if this goes three, man, this opens the floodgates. What happens yeah. next? Everyone who goes to a, a gig... I mean, how how is... One agency you're going to protect 40 to 50. Uh. Or Metalhead, like when we went to Hellfest, sorry, we went to uh, Grass Pop, that's like 100,000 people. Yeah. How can you maintain that society? And then everyone, who, who, you know, gets a minor injury to a major injury.
1: This could be a serious problem. Oh, it could be. I think it's all that that lady's fault from the start of this year end of last year he wants to sue the band because she got hit in the head with a drumstick yeah you know, the, the drummer threw out the drumstick and smacked it in the face and she's suing because it's done irreversible damage to her oh. really? a drumstick? Really? yeah uh, well,
0: well does, does, does drumstick follow her home every night and pretend to like funnel yeah. her friggin ass or something I don't know man but um, you know I, I want to see this guy get better uh, at the same time you know why not just go after the guy with the skateboard you know he did hit you in the head you know uh, what do we do right I don't know that's the way it is at the moment but um, See how that pans out. We'll give you up to date for that. Um, Gene Simmons claims that people are the new, oh sorry, that people killed all the new bands and, and are the fans themselves. So the people that killed all the new bands are the fans themselves. Danny, I read the article. It was kind of gibberish. I don't really know what his main intention of the article was because he kind of went off on a tangent saying how bands like Readyhead right do sh- uh, try new marketing techniques and and unfortunately it flopped for them, right? Because they want to do the um, pay, pay pay to buy pay to for the CD as much or as little as you want, right? But I wasn't too sure how the fans were bad for that. I think that was in the day as a technique that tried to work. and Maybe the exposure themselves. they made up with merch and and sold less than CD sales. Radiohead are a small band. I don't know why he brought that even up because it's like they make plenty of money. They're not a uh, they're not struggling like new bands. But then he talked about how you know I guess the fans aren't going out and supporting it or
1: some. I don't know what was he saying in this article, Danny? <laughs> you might have missed a paragraph because yeah. he was talking about Spotify. And I think that's the crux of it, that. Spotify is pretty much streaming services. And yeah. the bands, you just don't get money from streaming services. You really have to buy CDs and buy merchandise for bands to actually see any coin. Yeah. Or like And he said like you have bigger bands like Taylor Swift, Metallica, who don't support things like Spotify. And good, enough, I mean, yeah, they could because they would get decent money from those areas because the amount of streams or listeners, they would actually make a bit of coins. So for them to say, no, 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 we don't like it, that's, that's a good thing. Fair enough. But I think we did it last year. Um, you have to like get your song downloaded, was it 190,000 times or something, to get the same equivalent as someone who works at Spotify, like to get the same amount of money. So, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't work. It's a
0: broken system, you know, and hopefully we see that remedied. But again, you know, that's the way it is. That's the nature of the beast. They are businesses. So go and make and support your favorite business, I guess. We're bringing it back, Danny, Suicide Silence. You know, we've talked about this a lot last year. It was incredible to see... Uh, a, a juggernaut falls so hard a, a, and just go kicking and screaming, like literally turn into a 13-year-old kid who's had way too much sherbet and, you know,
1: just needs a timeout corner. I'm waiting for the televised movie series of this, like The Rise and Fall, Suicide Silence, all-in-one album. This is, this is like stuff of legends.
0: So. Yeah, and basically he they ignored the fear of people potentially not liking the band's new album. We just knew that they were going to be... This is what, the, what one of the band members has said. We just knew that we were going to be pretty much ignoring the fear of people potentially not liking it. And then he kind of skipped into it because one thing stood out to me in this article a lot and that's... And because I don't he has, because why he said about the people not liking it, they just find it hard for fans to understand the change of the sound and stuff. And it's like, dude, no, it wasn't so much the change of the album because yeah, you were always going to have your passionate fans who are going to come out screaming that you changed too much or not enough, right? That's the way it is. But the way they responded to set fans was what we had the biggest problem with just the amount of disrespect coming from the producer, the singer, and, uh, and the drummer, and the, and the lack of self awareness, right? So yeah. it wasn't so much that uh, I think these guys are being asked the wrong questions from the media. They really should be being asked, you know, why do you think the fans have retaliated so much to your retaliation, I guess.
1: Yeah, exactly right. I mean, this this is a new band member now, so yeah. they're, they're trying to go through until they finally get someone who responds in a, a, a diplomatic seems, way. Seems more grounded than the yeah, other guys.
0: Yeah, uh, right. However, the damage has been done right now, and uh, you know they're in a vacuum right now, patting themselves on the ass, telling you how, how great of a job they are for being innovative. But uh, you know, you can put uh, motor oil in a sandwich. Doesn't mean you're going to like it. I mean, no one's done it before, right? But why would do would they?
1: I'm pretty sure a grease monkey's seat. Uh. The, that's why they would become a <laughs> <goose
0: monkey>. <laughs> <laughs> well there you go suicide silence be like grease monkeys and you'll be fine uh, Lincoln Park's frontman and Lamb of God Mark Mourning are in the studio together well there's only been a picture surfaces, so maybe they just by sheer coincidence just happened to uh, meet up and thought hey you know my daughter's a fan of yours whoever
1: saw the other one first yeah. uh, an album uh, the, well that'll be interesting I don't know where what direction that would go I mean you got like groove metal with new metal or Apparently, Linkin Park's new album is more pop or something. Uh, so I don't really know how they'll go. Oh, uh, look, maybe you're right. Maybe they're just in a studio together because maybe one of them is trying to become a producer. Maybe one guy was just picking up his drum kit left behind with guitars. I don't know. Well, the funny thing is the
0: ESP i have actually been pleased that Linkin Park's uh, uh, new statement. So basically, Linkin Park came out saying that it's not an ESP album, right? Their next album is going to be definitely more... Poppish, pretty much. Poppish, pretty yeah, much, yeah. right. And ESP caught wind of this saying, what do you mean it's not going to be an ESP album? And they're like, oh, right, because you're not writing a good album. Ah, okay. Because, oh, okay. right. you know, our guitars, and they are are, are a trademark for having an incredible sound, lots of attack and lots of body to it. And they're like, well, yeah, like, if you don't want to write a good album with good guitars, that's your call. All the best to you, you know. Yeah. Like, um, so, yeah, you know, and I think I'm pretty sure Mark Morton is a, an ESP guy. I'm pretty sure with Lamb of God. So... Um, you know, this could be interesting. Maybe it's just a
1: coincidence. Hopefully, it's a coincidence. Well, I I guess you can you can bet your bottom dollar that Liquid Part won't be getting any uh, ESP, uh, ESP uh, guitar deals in the near future. No, it's it's
0: he, they're off. his I think he I think they were off the label, but uh, you know, enjoy I don't know maybe Gretsch or something or Fender maybe.
1: So the, I don't know. Isn't it all computerized their music these days? I don't know. Do they yeah, instruments? probably. Yeah,
0: no. they probably don't even need instruments anymore. Well, if, it's, if it's a pop out, but you.
1: You can play it on anything. To tune,
0: to tune guitar. There you <laughs> what go. does Auto-Tune do? Well, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> guitar plays themselves. Jimmy Borgia showcases the super dedicated fans in the forces of Northern Lights trailer. Anywhere from the America to, you know, Norway, which is three minutes away from the house, whatever, to Australia. Oh. We had an Aussie come out saying he went all the way to see Jimmy Borgia. Wow. So, you know, and they acknowledge that. The, fair, the uh, band knows where these guys are coming from and uh, gave him a shout-out at one of the gigs. And then you get to hear a little bit of snippets from the trailer
1: of the Northern Lights thing. I'm not very excited to see the trailer, Danny. It's going well, you know It's but. Apparently, it's out now. Apparently, they said 14th of April oh, comes out. But that's probably Europe american release here in Australia. Who knows when? But, oh, it's out now. So. It's a live album. I mean, if the fans yeah. want us to review it, I'm more than happy to
0: do it. But they have actually a genuine album coming out, which we definitely will be reviewing. Yeah, they're
1: saying this year. But again, they're pretty big on post-production. So I, mm, this mm. year might be a push. But hey, they're saying it is. So let's see.
0: We're going to move on to talk about Dio with the hologram that's likely to tour in September. And Dio's wife's all for it, you know. She feels that Ronnie Dio was the innovator in music. Why not be the innovator of technology also? Incre- incredibly creepy technology so far, Danny. And uh, we talked about this a lot last year. Um, I guess, you know, if, if she's happy, then we're happy.
1: Yeah, well, I guess to her defense, they're actually making the hologram do new songs, so... There you go. They're giving the hologram a bit a bigger repertoire. So, I uh, like in the end this is this is very mixed feelings. Uh, like most comments I see on page, people aren't really happy with it, and I agree. I'm like you know you, you just just if you're gonna do that, I might as well listen to you like a live album at home or something because you're not you're not getting a full experience. You're getting a, a artificial experience. Just just do it from home, man.
0: Could you imagine one day technology being so good that bands can stay whatever country they're in and they'll just live stream a projector of them on a stage somewhere.
1: Yeah, or even the fans could. The fans could. I could stay at home and just live project myself like in my seat. So yeah. the band—it was—you like, got like an empty stadium where you have all these like image people just sitting down like at the living rooms, and the bands also in their living rooms. So you got a whole a horror of movie, just man. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh man, yeah, but it, it, Dio looks—he looks fat, and he doesn't even look like Dio, man. He's like. It's like a, the PS One did a rendition of a of Dio, you know. It's, well,
1: it's new technology, mate. You go, you know, think, give a couple of years, a bit more money invested, that that would look like a PlayStation Two quality front James yeah, Dio within but, the next two years. But there's
0: also something about seeing live music, and I'm, I'm sorry we have to bring this up again, is that having that intimacy of, of a band um, connecting with its fans and doing things that they normally wouldn't do, giving them a shout out, um, maybe doing a reference. When we saw Symphony X, there was quite a lot going on with that. When uh, I mean, a good band does it, obviously, yeah, but right? But Dio
1: was big for that he always interacts with his fans always pay a lot of respect to them talk to them make sure they'll have a good time etc so you can't just keep repeating the same thing or maybe like when he do like dubs him she goes yo what is this deal how are you going seattle <laughs> hope you have a great night washington dc <laughs> this is my new guitarist john smith <laughs> um yeah
0: yeah that's what exactly what's going to happen We'll move on to an, another singer now with Katy Perry. Yeah, she's not metal, but this is going to be something for the metalheads to really get into. She re- revealed in an interview with some vagina magazine, you know, when they talk about periods and how to uh, masturbate your boyfriend in 10 days or something like that. Um, yeah, she, she admitted that she used to protest outside and Manson concerts. She was actually brought up by a preacher. So being a preacher's daughter, you know, quite the sheltered life. She found queens, so she found good singing, and then she found the pop industry where it's all about being a whore. And that's just not... (laughs) And that's just not metaphorically speaking. I'm like, you know, sexually... Uh, monetary wise, you know, you are everyone else's bitch now, and uh, yay. She, yeah, she yeah. and she cashed that cow in faster than uh, any porn star could love to do, honestly. Yeah,
1: no, no, she was there as a respectful singer, that's why she always had a tits and a legs showing because she was there because it was about the music.
0: Oh, yeah, like making out with chicks and stuff, dude. That's how the industry works, that's you know. And works. she found full hand. I wonder what her dad was thinking about her right now, you know. Yeah. you know, that's the thing about parents, they they try to get their kids to run far
1: so away from something that they run straight to it, right. Yeah, ooh, ah, yes. You you here with um, Matthew yeah. and Daniel, the uh, psychological brothers? Psychological <laughs> brothers. We oh, be... we've already ruined it. What was that three seconds? We shall be <laughs> dissecting um all the problems of the world. Yeah, well, in saying that,
0: you know, enjoy... hey, look, she's making quite a lot of money, and you know, she can sing a song, I guess. You know, um, good for her, I guess. Yeah, why not? John Moyer says it won't take the disturbed. Oh, we know he's disturbed. It won't take them four years to lose next studio album. Let's hope it's five. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Just just like, and the hardest hit for disturb is what song are we going to cover? Yeah. That is the hard... The rest of the album is pretty much the same riff. That's or right. Same riff they played the last five albums. So because, you it, know, yeah.
0: that's the one they're going to tour with and make the money
1: out of. <laughs> that's right. I mean, they're
0: smart guys, man. Why sit there? It's hard to write new material that no one's going to listen to. It's Look at what happened to uh, our friend Alan Holdsworth, you know? RIP to one of the most innovative souls on guitar ever. This guy was doing things that no guitarist probably is doing a lot of imitation, died poor. He really? needs to get a fundraiser. And he said to this very, to the very end, he found it hard to pay his rent. And this guy is literally the most innovative guitarist of all time when it comes to chordal uh, passages, songwriting, soloing, tone, everything. He, really? he literally sounds like from another planet, right? Listen to Meshuggah's solos. It literally is ripped off lines straight from the guy. Um, but that's what happens, you know, um, he, he wrote all original stuff and, uh, he's poor. Disturbed come out, sound of silence, meh. My girlfriend loves it. And so do, so do uh, everyone. Right?
1: They even came to Australia on our, one of our like, uh, reality TV shows at like 730 on the Sunday, prime time. Oh, I think. To, to sing someone else's song. Yeah. Oh, and, and those people are still alive. It's not like they're dead. <laughs> you know we're still here right and he's like hey. no you're done that's my old friend shut up kill- <laughs> someone kill garfunkel <laughs> i've made more money at this song than you have simon oh, garfunkel <laughs> um you know so
0: yeah whatever like you said just disturbed um Labor MP slams the sun's neo-Nazi metal band claims. Um, you know, it's nothing new. Metal being claimed because it uses certain imagery that, again, people looking in through a window on the outside, they attest to it being something that it isn't. Although, I guess there is a very small percentage of metal bands that, and they do it is in the black metal scene that embrace that. But it is so trivial to, to believe that the whole entire thing is casted with it. It's just uh,
1: ludicrous. And this is even just you're you stretching a long bow with this what oh. they what this was apparently the um there's a black sabbath post done in the seventies called uh, sell our Souls, something like that and the s and the s were like profound because that was the sabbath s so that's why they they stuck out so this and these guys here who he I'm um, saying for they paid homage to that poster with this s s so it, so anyway, the Sun says, "All right, SS must mean the um, you know, near not uh, the Nazis, oh. SS um, Battalion." A lot of creativity, Hitler's. isn't it, to think that? Yeah, eh? And, and 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 but the problem with the Sun is that people realise that if Andrew Bolt had to write a newspaper purely by himself, it would be the Sun. It is not. A newspaper where you would even put it in your like cat's bowl, your dog's toilet, because it's, it's not even worth that. It's it's just it's just burning on the spot.
0: Yeah, it's um. Look, we're used to it, and the guy knows the labor the labor MP knows what's going on. He, he saw the writing on the wall, and uh, you know, good on him. I love to see more middle politicians because um, they they seem to be like you. you seem to get accused of saying it all the time, you know. So you have to be pretty grounded in what you know, and uh, you know, good on him. He smashed it back. Yeah. Won't be the first time, you know. In fact, I want to talk a little bit more about. Uh, an article that really caught my interest, and that was with James Hetfield narrating Addicted to Porn, Chasing the Cardboard Butterfly. Uh, What a weird move, man. For someone that uses uh, pretty strong imagery, I guess he used some hot chicks and stuff like that in his film clips and stuff. Whiskey in the Jar, right? Whiskey in the Jar, you know. Um, And then here he is telling us that porn is bad for you. Now, the the trailer starts on a good premise, right? That, you know, kids getting access to porn with technology. That's an interesting question, right? And I was like, yeah, that's a good point, you know. Like, uh, they're going to be maybe come by accident or whatever. So it's going to take parents supervision and, you know, schools and stuff a lot more, you know, whatever. But then they were going on to saying how it's like, oh, it's killing relationships, it's destroying rah-rah. Some, some wife comes out and accuses her husband of cheating him because he's, you know, he, he watches a couple of hot chicks, you know, masturbate with a washing machine. And uh, it's like, it really feels like a bu- it really feels exactly the same with, with video games, how when video games came, came out, there was no evidence, but everyone's like, it's going to make a bunch of killers. The opposite happened. It became cathartic, and people, well, generally, the evidence suggests out there that VA games are cathartic for people. They relax, and they, when they shoot people, they can go. Out, they take the frustrations of work and that out in, in a video game. No one gets hurt, <laughs> and everyone's happy, right? Yeah. Heavy metal music's the same. It's an escapism, yeah. right? And here's porn. All of a sudden, the new evil, right? Yeah, interesting. You know, and here yeah. they are trying to attack it. But the worst thing is, it's a metalhead. If it wasn't for porn and
1: metal, man, I don't think I'd be alive. Yeah, I think Lemmy would like would have like stopped playing metal ages ago. So you know, James Sheffield, you're like the what we we normally do the uh, metalhead of the
0: week, and that one's coming up. But what's the opposite of metalhead of the week? Uh,
1: wood. Yeah, you're the, you're the wood <laughs> Stone, of the week. Maybe, maybe stonehead of the week. Yeah, you're the stonehead of the week. Yeah, yeah you're yeah, the, stonehead. the stonehead. You're
0: stonehead. back at the Stone Ages. Yeah. Nowhere near, it's a little bit more dense than that. Yeah, you're a stonehead, yeah. James Hetfield. Yeah, I don't know yeah. what what amount of money you thought that this is a good idea, but it's oh, terrible. Absolutely terrible. Metalhead of the week, though, Iron Maiden's Bruce
1: Dickinson yes well, v- you can't oh, man. it's such a big list but go on yeah he actually apparently
0: pays his people overtime out of his own pocket i don't think man. you read the article but i thought i saw it on the internet before i got here i'm like dan your boy he's coming through the goods you know their songs don't listen to him, but
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the guy good on him man he's a champ you know he-, he he gets it he gets the metal scene and uh he gets it. he gets people so uh with that we give you a salute Uh, I think we need to talk about Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, Danny. Big news. Can you believe he's written a song?
1: I think two songs, actually, man. No, he he did an old
0: one with Ronnie Romero. Is it the guy we saw play with him? So So he's re-recorded an old song with him, but one new song. Wowie, wowie. We are apprehensively excited there, aren't we, Danny?
1: You're right, because there's so many directions and paths this gentleman could take with the songwriting that who knows what you're going to get. Remember
0: the 90s? Richie Blackmore's Rainbow. Wow, what a pile of dog shit. Yeah, that was terrible. And then there's
1: Blackmore's Night, which got even more. The
0: guy surrounded himself in the 70s with the best musicians that money could buy, right? Or that would stand his presence for more than, you know, 30 minutes. More to the point. And then he got a drummer that learnt a drum feel. (sighs) And that was it. He's like, dude, you can take more lessons. You know, no, no, <laughs> Richie Blackmore was fine. Like, did you have like a concussion or something? Like, I'll go buy
1: you-, you another floor, Tom. No, yeah, have no, no, no. you piece, played so piece. much
0: f- many fenders that it came into your brain and now, like, you've been, you know, your brain's stuffed? I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but we are, I am, no. Because you know what? If he's got a, re- a new passion for it, what about another Stargazer? What about another Rainbow oh, Rising you record? Um, you know, this stuff doesn't date at all, man. I, you know, it's just classic music like Beethoven Symphony or, you know, Happy birthday. Happy a, birthday. That's yeah, that's it. We're that's still singing to this very day. man. You yeah. know, so congratulations. Write us a happy birthday,
1: Ronnie. Well, definitely. And I think with Rainbow, he's actually thinking about doing more tours and stuff. I think this tour that he's done has actually gotten really excited about playing these old songs. And the DVD of the Birmingham concert that me and Matthew potentially went to, because it was on two nights, one that we went to is being released, uh, I think, in June this year. So yeah, there could be a research with Rainbow. We're here, with, we're here to tour, I doubt he's 72 years old. By the time this album gets done and finished, it would be probably next year, it be 73. Uh, and there's a lot of touring. If he does come to Australia, he might probably just do a Sydney show. But hey, all the luck to him, mate.
0: Yeah, at the end of the day, uh, having music come out, you know, it's just something we always get excited for. Here's to Rainbow. Looking forward to it, but let's move on to our editorial. <music> Bonus tracks on CDs. That is our question we've asked the guys on our Facebook today and our Twitter so we're talking facebook.com forward slash Bro. if you want to follow us on that or on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Bro. The question's pretty simple, isn't it? It's bonus tracks. We've all bought a CD and we've seen at the very bottom of a bonus track and whatever that is, maybe it's two, maybe it's one, and generally it's never nearly gets to zero. You just get the normal tracks, right? Yeah, so you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it can be, <laughs> can be but zero. we're talking about bonus all right. <laughs> tracks. That would be non-bonus track albums. Yeah. But uh, are these a... Cheap cash grab, Danny, or is it genuinely a way for people to get an Easter egg on their album?
1: Well, this is the question. It's kind of like the bonus features on a DVD. You never ask for it, but you get them. Yeah, and you know sometimes they're great.
0: Uh, you know, we did watch the Goodfellas oh, one. Oh, you have to. If
1: anyone likes Goodfellas, you have to get the bonus feature director's commentary. It's not the director's commentary. It's a real Henry Hill and a real FBI agent who he went to for protective custody who narrate the whole. DVD, and the whole movie. You must watch it. But, yeah,
0: it's fantastic. Literally, he's, he just plays C by scene and just goes, wow, how crazy is that? I'm still alive right now. Yeah. What a, what a way. What a way to be as a gangster, right? Being friends with the police now.
1: Hey. Yeah, pretty much. even though his nose is completely burnt out with all that cocaine, it sounds like an exhaust pipe. <laughs> he's <beating through. laughs> it's like, I even said a car lot. It just sounds like Fast and the Furious back there, yeah. man. <laughs> it's
0: terrible. It's terrible. But apart from that, great. So let's talk to our fans about bonus tracks on CDs, All right? We're going to start straight away from Zach Hammett. I always go for the special editions with bonus tracks, but I prefer the extra songs, you know? Dragon Force had amazing bonus tracks, Power and Glory, and You're Not Alone from the latest album, Maximum Overload. There you go. Straight off the bat, he's going to go for it regardless, Zach. Kaya Elliot, the first Slipknot album had Ior and On The Back Scissors. They were great secret tracks. Also, a great surprise, that was so rad. Uh, bonus track on Prongs, Ruining Life Treat is awesome as well. Interesting, a bonus track as a secret track. That's actually a little Easter egg for the fans that so if they want to keep listening to it and the hardcore fans will want to keep trying to find them, interesting way of doing it. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's. Uh, I guess it's become a little bit less of a surprise these days when you have uh, like the, iTunes. Yeah, iTunes are like the digital recordings of songs. So you actually see that, okay, my song's finished yet. There's another like six minutes to play. Yeah. So I can just skip to see what's going on here. Back in the old days, you had like on a cassette or a CD without the information on it you're playing you think okay album's done but yeah sometimes I think it was even Mercenary they had like a little end of a song like last track you waited two minutes of blankness and the last two minutes was another riff so that's cool yeah Matt Bolt not metal as such but recently bought a Dwarves vinyl and
0: found it was cool to get the second disc with B-sides and other live tracks on the metal Scope of Things an extra live disc for Elegy Amorphous vinyl likewise with Opus Blackwater Park i.e. Good to have live versions of Black Winter's Day on Elegy. So yeah, the um the live songs on as bonus tracks for albums, I uh, I generally don't really care for them too much because the sound production normally sounds pretty meh, uh, and the playing's obviously a bit meh. But the energy's pretty good. But again, you know, um yeah, no, I don't really do it. <laughs> two mehs, that make a yeah. But but in saying that, um, but it is a good idea for some people that really love that stuff, you know, to be thrown back to a, uh, to what they're going to be like live. Some of us will never get to see certain bands live in Australia. So uh, it is. It is. I must admit,
1: a, a way of doing that. And in the future, they might actually have a way for you to put that city and a hologram into your bedroom, oh <laughs> so you can God. have the band hologram playing Wayless to Life. It's like, wow, Dio's
0: gonna watch you pee every morning. Fantastic. Well, we love that. But doesn't God already watch us pee? Oh, <laughs> that's more well funny. Round of applause. Luke said, "The only time I ever see bonus tracks usually are on Japanese release CDs." This is only because they are more expensive to get released over there and extra trackers justify the pricing. I like some bonus tracks, but usually through bonus tracks, don't fit with the album and that's why they're removed. Interesting point. Interesting point. Yeah, you know, yeah. And we'll talk about it a lot later, but uh, interesting point about the Japanese uh, thing as well. I never realized that, to be honest. I'm uh, not in Japan, so I guess it doesn't really affect me. Yeah. And I, and, and I like to live in this very nice small cave of my life right now. So, yeah. you know...
1: That. I'm not a really big fan of that ex-Megadeth guy who's an ex-Megadeth guitarist who lives in Japan now
0: Marty Friedman yeah I'm
1: a big Marty Friedman fan that's probably why I never came across this
0: yeah fair enough Steve Lehman uh, a great friend of ours now that we just made because we had him on our show
1: we interviewed him and he was very entertaining and insightful
0: yeah he's a big big artist probably Adelaide's one of the most renowned metal artists you know he's done a lot of work with CDs um, posters, you know, posters Old, you all that kind of stuff like that Check him out. Check out our podcast with him. But he said they usually wreck the flow of an album. I see the appeal. Wow, more songs, same price. Yeah, you know, it's like, wow, more is more. That's the Eugene Mountsman <laughs> you talking, right. right? But a lot of time is invested into making an album with singular work of art. You wouldn't staple on some bonus clothes hanging off the Mona Lisa or put a statue in front of it of a bull, for example. It ruins the intention <laughs> and the completeness of what is intended. That <laughs> is the most artistic <laughs> yeah. answer. Uh, that probably 5% of the
1: audience will really appreciate. Yeah, he to a cheap show that um The Wall Street with the bull and the little girl in front of that bull. Oh, seen that one? no, yeah. I haven't. Uh, right tell me about it. it. Uh, what happened? That guy does, um installed a bull on Wall Street, and that bull's supposed to represent pretty much Wall Street, like go for it all, brutality, whatever. There's, there's a whole symbolism behind it. And in front of it, they put a, like a young girl just staring the bull down, and I think that's supposed to symbolize, I don't know, people's angst over Wall Street, et cetera. So yeah, that's what that's all about. So he had, this guy had a vision of having his ball like representing Wall Street and then these people came, a couple of way away. Um, and yeah. now, now people think he's one whole piece and he's like, well, that's not fair. So well, that's where that's come from. Yeah,
0: that's, they but I guess the intention of what Steve is saying there, I I do yeah. agree with a lot. Um <laughs> If you want an immersive album, then having a bonus track is going to take you pretty much straight out of it because it's so jarring, generally. And there's a reason why it didn't make the cut for that album. Not to say you can never use it ever again, you know, or have a B-sides or something like that. So um, this is where we're going to come in, Denny, and talk about Mm. some some examples to uh, give our take on it and see if we can kind of get a whole picture of what everyone's been saying today, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, I think ways... Let's talk about the good ways which I like when bands do it, right? I'll give some examples, first of all. I like it when a band has maybe a double-seated, so they have, like, the album right, but then for another price, and this does sound sometimes like a bit of a pitch and money grab, but I know I think there's an intention of this, and let me explain. It would be a special edition, right? And the special edition are songs that aren't going to make the album, right? Like Symphony X, for example, with Iconoclast. Light the Night is a great song, man, right? And to know that we're never going to hear that song it potentially made me sad to think about it, right? But they did it. They, they And it doesn't work on that album. Let's get it right. No. It, it, it doesn't fit. But what they did was, all right, what we're going to do is give you the normal edition, which is the immersive one. And I think it is a better album overall in that sense because it's like purely immersive and everything works together. However, the special edition sets itself up a little differently. The cover art's different. And literally, the Second City has a few tracks that weren't really appropriate for the album. But if you're a Symphony X fan, you're going to show the money out because I think it was worth it. Yeah. I mean, those songs
1: are absolutely brutal, man. Yeah, no, definitely right. It was yeah, that's right. They did it as a kind of a A, a side and B side because they even changed the order around of the um, song. So if you bought the original album, it was only seven songs and it had a certain ordering. Then if you bought the double track, it was like ten songs, but the ordering of the first seven was different to make that the A side and B side. You could say or CD one, CD two fit each other. So you know they they did it smart. They, they just good. didn't add tack on things at the end. They actually try to create two. Series uh, which they thought worked well together. Having last tracks or bonus tracks being cover songs. I'm
0: actually kind of cool with this, right? Because if uh, if it's a fun band that you like listening to, and they do something like this, you, you you guarantee a little bit of something extra. Now, these are two examples that I've actually picked that I think are polarizing, because I think one was done well, one was done bad, but. For example, Nevermore did a "Love Bites" cover, but they did it in their own style, right? And I think that's kind of cool, you know. It's I like think it's a Doors song or something. Yeah, they've done that a lot on the new, on the bonus tracks for Obsidian Conspiracy. They did a couple of covers of bands as well. It's nice, you know. You get to hear uh, renditions of Loomis, you know, changing it up and making it his own, but keeping the uh, the the lyrics the same. Um, but then All That Remains did it by quoting a Nevermore song with, yeah. on the Overcome album. I like the idea that they put it last, but I don't like this song at all. It is a <laughs> There's, no, there's nothing beautiful or tragic about it when, when a metalcore band is doing it. It just sounds like um, someone from high school covering it.
1: Yeah, fair play. And there's times where we've reviewed the latest in Flames' album that had two bonus tracks at the end and they were actually two of the better songs. So the album was actually saved because of the two... We'll talk songs about that end. later. Yeah, we'll yeah, talk we'll about talk that about later. Uh, and, the, and the last point
0: I want to make is how bands do a song that they've already done on the album but have it changed. So for example, the band that I like called Nemic. And they have two songs. One goes from Mechanical Spin Phenomenon. And the other one, Sons of a System, from the Sons of a System album. And they actually have a drum and bass artist come in because they're, they're an electronical band. So, what they do is have it reimagined as a drum and bass song. And the thing about it, you have to understand is that even Pendulum knows this market. That drum and bass and metal are, I think, linked to a degree. There's a certain sound and energy that both can, can give a listener. And uh, even me, I don't mind a bit of drum and bass. Generally, metal, though, is my thing. Um, so when they do that, you're appealing to another market, but also you're saying one who, but another side of it. But it's a bonus track, so you don't have to listen to it. But it's cool to hear. It, it can be a bit of fun too.
1: Yeah, I, another one who did it quite well was the last album we reviewed, with Deep Purple, where they had two bonus tracks. One was some reimaginary Highway Star, which is cool paying homage to themselves. So that's that's kind of a bonus track because it is their own work. And two is they actually did a um, studio, a, re- a rehearsal version of one of the songs on the album. So that's a bit of fun of where there was no vocals. It was just uh, I think the guitarist, drummer, and bass. Nice Play, yeah, just playing. And they had like you could hear them start talking about what they what what they're going to do, and then been talking at the end of the hour of the song. So that's pretty good as well. Now we're going to start talking about how bands do it wrong.
0: Okay, so this is and this is going to tie into a few people that we were talking about already before. This is the weakest one out of the examples, but it gets worse from here on out. Uh, Sky Symphony, for example, with Pit Black, Pitch Black Progress uh, Progress album. Uh, they have a song called Carves and Seam and Deviate the Form. Now, these songs are on the album and they call them bonus tracks, but literally it feels in fine with the album. They're not recorded differently. The production is no different. The song structures themselves, th- everything about it, it screams that they're not bonus tracks. And it just feels like they record it just on the album and as much time, love, dedication went into them. Um, it wasn't even a concept album, I guess, to a degree. It's just them kind of run through the motions, being Sky Civitry. They're good at what they do, don't get me wrong. But again it's like chimera did it as well with new apocalypse it's like they're not bonus tracks they're exact tracks <laughs> with this cool catchphrase yeah, yeah, yeah. you know like we're not buying it and it kind of achieves the effect of the band it's like what well, you think we're stupid yeah, we're gonna
1: buy this album regardless because we think it's awesome you know the bonus track isn't gonna do it for us so it's a clever marketing employee at times i guess you're saying you're right because if, if you spend that time writing and rehearsing it and give you a sale for production you're right is it really you're right, is it a bonus track when, when does it not become a bonus track and when does it just become yeah, we just want you to um, buy this album. So with it. let's let's give you free two free songs. You'll more likely to buy it. We're gonna start tying with what Steve said before about the artistic vision. Now, one of my favorite
0: albums of all time is Old Man's Child, Slaves of the World. It has the best metal song on it, Saviors of Doom. Literally, this song, if you haven't heard it before, you gotta hear, listen to it. And if you don't like it, then uh, nah, no, there's no, you listen to it again. You know, listen to it again because it is, it is one of the best songs ever written of all time. Now, the problem with this album is the very, very last track. It's a reimagine of a song they did back in the day. Though it's a good idea to do it, like you're saying, with Deep Purple, what it does on this album is this album is incredibly sinister in tone. It's a very dark album. But here in this song, the production's a bit weird, the singing's a bit off. It doesn't fit with the whole thing. And in fact, it kind of acts as a blemish. It acts as a mole on, Br- on City Crawford's amazing face. Might add a little bit of character to the album. <laughs> But, I mean, it's Cindy Crawford anyway. Without the mole, you're still going to bang her, right? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. back to that whole marriage problem we had before, you know? Uh-huh. You're know, you still going to be out of a job. And it's just, when your old wife's going to want to be like, hey, you bang Cindy Crawford, right? Um, That's that's what Steve was saying there. And I agree. And this album, if that track wasn't there, Born of the Flickering, this album would probably just be, maybe you a little bit better. You know, it's just great you're in that moment and uh hear that it was like oh you hear it straight away the whole album is produced so well and magnificently with balance and everything this song comes off and it sounds like it was thrown in a hallway through a toilet roll mm-hmm. through a tube sock a wet tube sock
1: maybe they trust you how far they've come man you know they've stepped up in the world and that's how they progress but i understand it does kill the whole buzz if you like dream theater i guess when they did their second album it was completely a cover album a cover yeah cover cd yeah, I mean, that's something else you could do instead, and simply, then you sell it as probably more expensive. So,
0: and and the worst thing, the worst bonus track strategy that anyone can employ was the classic *Metamorphosis* album from *Mercenary*. There's a song called *Incorporate Your Demons*, only set as a US bonus track. The problem, far by far, the best track off the album, like it shattered every other song off this album, and only half the world, you know, maybe only two countries heard. It. I know we did because I bought a US edition by, ah. I don't know, and the US would have got it. But the Japanese market, maybe even the Euro market, I think they got another different bonus track and it sucked. Oh, so, wow. you know, that is the worst thing. You've actually deprived a potential better album because you wanted to get the gimmick and you sucked at it because it was like, oh, that should have been on the album, you know? And that's, it's hard for a band to know that, I guess, with self awareness because you just, you, you might hate all your songs and you might love all your songs. That's, I guess, the predicament of an artist. But that happens. So as a bonus track, you can it can really
1: be a hindrance. Yeah, I guess, look, people try, I guess, different marketing techniques, try to be clever to see how it works. And look, again, the question is, if it's bonus material, do you do you have to charge more because you're giving more f- free stuff away? Is it, do you do Symphony X on two CDs or you do like they do in Japan that they put them on there so it justifies the highest payment? They've very they've recorded them anyway, so you might as well say you get bonus material, even if they were always meant to be on the album by calling them bonus material yeah sounds more more worth it so 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 i call the fans
0: be careful bonus tracks doesn't mean anything you know it can be a good thing can be a bad thing with the internet i guess you know you might be able to get a little glimpse on it but you want to support your bands too so buy the album anyway and just you know ignore what we said
1: (laughs) oh yeah if you really don't like bonus tracks just don't listen to the bonus track yeah there's no force
0: but um but to the bands out there make sure that your bonus track makes sense um we're not we're not i I think generally fans are a bit smarter these days with it so you know it's not necessary Um, maybe do it in a creative way like have it on the CD
1: so you put it in the computer and you can watch it as a DVD or something or whatever. Yeah, I think Blind Gang did that one their songs that you put the, the DVD and you actually get a song instead. Yeah. But look, I, think, I think a short bet is probably covers. People don't mind Bone Shack as a cover. It's probably a bit of a short bet. Yeah. Okay, and with that, that's our take on it, guys.
0: Thank you so much for giving us the answers. Uh, You know, jumping on our Facebook and our Twitter and giving us some really cool answers. You know, it's great to talk to you guys and get your insight on us. gives us more material to work with. And, uh, you know, it comes us less retarded, and that's important, you know. So, thank you for that. But onwards and upwards to our feature presentation, our CD review. Not much has needed to be said with these guys from 1984, Tampa, Florida. We are talking about the American death metal juggernaut known as Obituary. These guys have been around forever. Massive lineup changes, you know. But there are members that are stuck around to this very, very day. We are talking about John and Donald, the Tardy Brothers, and Trevor Perez. Aside from that, though, this thing's gone through more uh, faceless than uh, Bruce Jenner, I reckon, he? <laughs>
1: yeah. Or well, maybe Wendy, do you? Yeah. <laughs> keep, keep it relevant. Yeah,
0: yeah, Yeah. sorry, we're talking about metal. 10th um, studio album, man. These guys have been around. Uh, this one was released in March 17th, 2000. And, sorry, March the 17th this year. So it's relevant, you know. We've, we've got a little bit late. Uh, we had to talk about, you know. Uh, who did we talk about last week? The Mudvayne album, that's right. Oh, yeah, thanks, Josh Queens for that. Deep, deep Purple last week, Matt. Don't made up me up jump
1: that. over this imaginary, like, oh, yeah, and smash sorry, it, man. So
0: we, we are Deep Purple marks here, or at least one of us are. But we're here to talk about uh, obituary. Do the guys still have it? Have they changed? Have they kept the same? What's happened to these guys? And uh, how can we talk about it first, but the riff standing? And, uh, yeah, there's a guitar album. There's nothing else really on it apart from the drums, guitar, and bass. Obviously, the vocalist, but, you know, don't, <laughs> Don't get me started. What were the guitars like for you on the album?
1: I actually was um. Yep, I was very happy with the uh, quality of riff writing on this album. It is a lot of solid, chunky riffs throughout the album. Like every song has a pretty distinguished riff and it's very solid. I was I was banging my head throughout the whole album.
0: Yeah, and the funny thing was when I first heard the first twenty seconds, I was like, I'm not gonna like this album. Yes. It's like when you think of death metal, like generic death metal, you kind of get a feeling for what you're hearing. However, once you listen to it after the second and third song, you're right, Danny. It's The wrists are strong, they're heavy. It is literally steak and potatoes. Um, And if you love that, I think that's perfectly... You know, we're getting a lot from different bands with technique and stuff, but this is really just stripped back, raw energy, guitars, chugging. Yeah. And uh, and they and they do that pretty well, you
1: know. I think it worked out really well this album. Yeah, definitely. They're, they're not afraid to play slow, which is actually surprising for a lot of these bands. They, I mean, the first two songs are pretty uh, fast tempo. Track four is bit that way as well, but then the rest of the album, it's pretty got a pretty steady pace to it.
0: Much appreciated, and that's one thing about uh, that I really appreciated is that you don't get like fatigue from listening to this album for more than four tracks, where it doesn't sound the same. You know, uh, I guess you excited for the next album, the next riff or the next track, whatever. Uh, I, yeah, not really much to complain about. Um, the guitar work, though, without Ralph Toller there, they've got a new guy, and he's fine. You know, He's, he's pretty decent. Uh, I, I unfortunately missed, you because know, Ralph Toller quit two years ago. I think they got Terry Buckingham or something. Um, and I really think the solids, because of that, are, are fine. They're not as clean or as attacking. They're not storytelling. Um, but they do a good job. The one thing I will notice about this band, though, even though the songs are pretty decent, they don't know how to stick landings. Those endings are sometimes a little bit awkward, Danny. Oh, okay, yeah. i did not pay too much attention. Though. There's a couple yeah. of times where they kind of stop the song. They start it up again with revisiting another riff, like from the intro uh, or whatever, yeah, I... and then they stop again, yeah. and it's like, no, nah, that's, that's no good. Or they just did the fade out, which is, I guess, fine. Uh, that's the only minor blemish from an otherwise fantastic bunch of uh, riffs, you know? It just feels like they don't know quite how to stop. Because big... the thing is, here's the thing. <laughs> When I listen to metal, I like to when I enter big songs like these death metal songs. You want to like hear a song, flinch and go, yeah, you know. But I did it. Oh, huh? uh, wait, wait. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> like you know what I mean. Like it kind of stopped me, and I was a little bit like, ah, uh. okay. So it's just a little bit of a, a thing that took me out of the album a little bit. But that's just a minor thing. Look, it might just be me. Um, you know. and In
1: yeah, that it case, kills the flow a bit, doesn't it? You it know. But when I listen energy. to something
0: like Old Man's Child, for example, those endings are features of songs, and they come like they're literally another part of the compositional work and they really give you that f- uh, final place for you to rest on it. So um, it's just fine. You know, that's just a little thing that I didn't notice from it. But apart from that, it's yeah, it's, it's good album.
1: Yeah, I, I think a bit of shout to the drumming as well. I think the drumming is quite decent. Yeah, album. it's my groove then. Yeah, yeah. Let's, move, let's move straight up to it. Oh, yeah, not just that as well, just a lot of little intricacies he does in his playing a little bit of changes between like bars and stuff. I think it's actually pretty, pretty good.
0: The drummer does really good to give you a strong sense of presence with rhythm. You know, yeah. Um, nothing with the hands is too crazy or whatever you know it's it's no sean reynard or anything from death or something like that although funny enough when listening to some of these drum beats and guitar lines i was like wow this kind of reminds me of real old school death you know that real old school sound that uh i think is pivotal to the to the movement you know and uh it's i guess it's not done much differently but the sound about the album which is gauging enough that it doesn't really matter so
1: yeah sure sure um, so, yeah. but
0: yeah the drums are cool man yeah i, re- I really dug it you know he hits it pretty hard and um gives you a good part of energy uh it's, it, it, it seems in really well it doesn't seem like this thing was uh done with too much bells and whistles which is really good for it you know it worked out really well yeah excellent Sweet. uh vocals again Congrats. look this is the thing about the album we're kind of running through it pretty fast because it really kind of feels like everything about it is just uh one thing done really well um with some slight uh, nuances i guess yeah
1: definitely i think the vocalist did a good job again if you, you have to like his tone yeah he's a really much like a, a growling scream type t- tone like very um pretty much thrashy like early age thrashy death tone which he is great he does it well puts a bit of scream there when required bit of growling his phrasing is good uh I like the energy I like the elongation of certain words at times it all suits it all all seems to suit the music quite well um Bit of layering of effects again, if they need to be for a bit more intensity of songs, it's um, it all seems to fit quite well, yeah. That's right. So, with that, we'll move on to the diversity.
0: The thing about this album is that the diversity comes in not so much the the uh, distortion and stuff like that, I guess it comes more from the tempo changes and um, and the differences around using certain chordal. Uh, and that's one thing I like about this album a lot is that. It kind of feels like, even though it's atonal sometimes, it's in different places. You know, the guitarist stretches around the neck a bit and gives you different kind of variations with different chordal passages to make it pretty tense. Sounds pretty sinister, though, you know, the whole time. So the album sounds really tough, a bit evil, heavy. Um, but overall, it's, uh, you know, it's a lot, a lot to break it up and the drum does well to
1: accommodate that, I guess, as well. Yeah, it definitely has as fast songs it starts with. It, um, it goes back slow. And then the last couple tracks, we'll try trying... Track nine is quite evil, and then track eleven gets very brutal. Mm. Again, fast again. So like they have, they have a couple of key changes in there, which is always cool to yeah, hear. They yeah, do. That was they do. They do. So I was quite surprised having a death metal key changes. Normally that's not. <laughs> so that was nice.
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting like that. You kind of see these guys kind of move through the motions. It seems pretty organic though. Like they don't. Uh, if it feels like these guys now are at a good place, so they can get these kind of songs out now. Um, but the thing is I got to attest is that I'm not too familiar with the bit tree before this so maybe fans will find that this style for them is something they've done for a while however maybe that's more of more of that this is good you know yeah. maybe that diversity through the tracks is enough to see them get through it yeah. uh, it was just a familiar sound for me which I found even though the the albums and songs are different I felt they were all fa- sounded familiar in a sense
1: yeah oh, that's true I, I'd agree with that Partly, like you have, you have your fast songs and you had your steady pace songs and there seemed to be a bit of that yeah, picks. and look, the songs—they're not long songs, so they—I thought they did quite enough in the songs for them. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. Uh, so with that, in end production, and
0: the one thing which I got to give these guys a lot of credit for is this is an actual, genuinely—I uh, guess—it's uh, just—it's just an immersive album in the sense that it sounds like humans. It sounds like people are actually playing things that matter the most to them and being vulnerable about it in the sense that they're not covering it up with too many bells and whistles. Like This album sounds literally like microphones, amps, and way away you go. Yeah,
1: and that's true. You definitely have that, that rawness to it. I think, for me, the only probably disappointment of this album, surprising enough, is that from tracks 5 to even 10, the, the pacing is a bit too same-same. I was expecting them to go back a bit to track 4, 1, or 2 and get a bit more intense, a bit faster songs. Mm-hmm. I was actually wearing, like... I was just expecting it to be, well, when you're going fast again. If it wasn't for track 11, which is the bonus track, which is the reason we kind of asked the question this week, is that that's probably one of the better songs off the album. That again. was a faster, heavy. It was just a solid song, and I'm like, yeah, I expected to hear one of those songs as well somewhere in the middle.
0: I would like to have heard stuff like that, Carcass and and Testament do, where they throw those like dual line leady kind of stuff to break up some of those rhythms that were quite focused throughout the whole album. You know, there are some channel picking parts, so and stuff as well. Yeah. But um, just to give it more of a contrast, because um, you've got some pretty talented guitarists on it that can they, they can show you, they can write those leads and stuff like that. But it feels like that comes out with the solo sections. And there are a lot of solos on this album. So I guess that's, uh, that's good for the old school fans out there who really don't want to see that go away. Um, yeah, there isn't much else to, to say about the album. This album really is for the death metal fans. It's by death metal fans for death metal fans. And I... Uh, for anyone else, uh, it's it's an interesting way to get into it because it's quite accessible. Uh, it's not brutality the whole time. The sound itself is kind of got familiar sound as well, so I think it's good for those old-school fans and that kind of stuff. Um, aside from that, though, I liked it, but I probably won't return back to it for a while. I do find that um, with Death Metal, it's good to have for my for my ear a bit more of something else going on with it um just the way i feel like with it at the moment uh maybe i'll change that but i still enjoyed it man i still recommend this for fans of that genre because it really is a pretty accessible and just a very
1: raw album yeah no definitely that's right i think they've done it quite well yeah these guys unlike suicide silence have probably kept to their name roots with obituary and Sounded like obituary, so and testament to them, you know. I'm not saying it's, it's not a bad no, album, So even though if they've been
0: doing this for a while, at least it still sounds pretty, pretty enjoyable, you know. And to old full fans, you know, um, if you're like, nah, that sounds like the old stuff, then you're probably right, and mm. you know, bad shame on us. Um, hey, but uh, it, it gave us a lot of pleasure listening to it, and uh, you know, good on these guys to keep going on, and hopefully they can teach some of these young guys about just getting rid of those really over the top technical. Uh, studio sounds you know I'd like to see uh, some some bands not suicide silence <laughs> yeah. but maybe guys like Allegiant take a leaf out of these guys book and go more to something like this and less to the uh, you know Bloodshot Dawn style which is just like or the Sky Symmetry style where it's like you know everything's got to be meticulously taken away from it so with that that's the end of our review um, it's been a pleasure with Obituary guys and that's the end of our show as well Can you believe we made it, Dan? We made it to another end. That was quite the episode. We talked about a lot going on in the news, man. I don't know what happened last week, but it just went crazy for some reason. Yes.
1: Easter, all that chocolate gets people excited and hyped up. They just don't know how to take it. And then, you know, the whole religious aspects, all the metalheads get really angry, don't know how to deal with it, so they lash out in greater quantities with uh, more heavy metal news. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess with that, I've been Super Metal Brother Matt. And I have been your nightmare, true square, that dream you can't stop falling. I have been Super Metal Brother Dayan. Oh, it's good to have
0: Rob Flynn in here, man. It really helps out, you know, tie off an episode, right? Yeah, I
1: thought I was pretty really clever how I segued into that. Ah, so oh, I- okay. Again, a second round of applause Daniel. All right, guys, we'll catch you
0: next week.